This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute, everybody. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast where we carefully analyze the movie Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I am Brady, and normally I would be joined uh, by my co-host Kyle, but Kyle couldn't make it tonight, so instead I have the amazing honor to have a special guest host, and that is Miss Jennifer Tarek. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me, and that was such a nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, and I'm excited, and I'm glad I got invited on. I'm ready. Great. Yeah, I actually heard about you through um, a mutual friend of ours, Brad Jost, who does the Jurassic Park podcast, and he's actually going to be uh, our special guest on episodes uh, Thursday and Friday of this week. And I was looking over his website at different contributors, and I saw that you were on there, and you actually, it mentions in your little bio that you have a sort of connection to this scene. And uh, I said, well, since we're at that point in the movie, I have got to get in touch with her and find out what that's all about, because that's, that's something that's uh, very interesting to me. So It's my favorite, yeah. It's definitely my favorite from this film, and first or second favorite of the franchise. It's very close. That is awesome. Definitely favorite of this film, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I definitely want to get into why, but before that, uh, I want everybody to know a little bit about who you are. Now, you are actually the operator of the Bryce Dallas Howard Network, am I correct? Yeah, that, that's what I do, 24-7, practically. That's awesome. So so what is that? How did you get involved with that? Um, oh my goodness, that, that's a long story. It's almost <laughs> been It's almost been two years, I guess, but it basically happened whenever Jurassic World came out and Chris Pratt was getting all the attention. He had 100 websites out and Bryce really had nothing, nothing at all. And a group of people were like, all right, let's make something for support. So we made a Twitter and all this. And eventually they fell away. And it was just me. And I had I was on a fork in a road. I'm like, all right, should I continue or should I just let it go? And then I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I just put full force, put all this work, all this effort, made, got the domain, website. I don't even know where this energy came from. But it all <laughs> happened. And it, it came together. And then... Now it's this huge empire that I really don't have control of anymore. It's so big. It, it takes over everything. It, it has YouTube. It has the photo gallery. Oh, my goodness. It's it's huge now. Yeah. And it's so much fun, though. And, he, and Bryce, like, acknowledges it, and she's involved, and it's really cool. Yeah. I was going to say it's, you know, all that effort must have paid off because she is uh, familiar with it, and you've actually spoken with her or have a uh, relationship with her? Yeah. I, it's it's beyond amazing a whole year already i mean she we we have we have phone conversations and email and we met up a couple times for coffee to discuss things and plans of what we could do with it and i mean she's so on board with it which is so cool and not something you hear usually with celebrities they're like oh that's nice that they're doing that or even some are like okay that's creepy that they're doing that but i mean she wants to utilize it which is so 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 cool yeah. I'm it, just on the ride. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's always nice to hear that when um, when there's a celebrity who's, who's very genuine. And uh, I've always gotten that um, from her. You, you can tell she's one of those people who's not just there for the glitz and the glamour, but she actually cares about what she does. And I can only imagine would be very uh, in touch with uh, her fan base. And it's, it's very cool that she's willing to uh, be a part of it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you never know. When you, when you make these things, you kind of just make them for yourself and for the community and for fun. And you don't really expect or even want notoriety necessarily. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, it's it's like dreamland. Because, I mean, 
it's it's unreal. That kind of stuff doesn't happen. And I yeah. mean, for a full year now, we've kind of been I, I, with her team. It's it's a dream. I don't even know. But I that never so ever cool. thought it would come to this. It, it's grown into this huge empire, really. <laughs> well, congratulations. I, I love it. I do love it. Congratulations. That's really cool. And you're absolutely right when you say that you never know who's aware or who's listening. Uh, there's a website called the Jurassic Outpost, which is a sort of a news outlet for all things Jurassic Park. And they have uh, their own podcast called the In General Podcast. And uh, they've had Colin Trevorrow on a few times and a bunch of other guests. And last time he just happened to be on, you know, working on Jurassic World 2. And J.A. Bayona, the director, walked by and was like, oh, hey, here's, you know, this is the yeah, podcast I was talking about. I did hear that. That was did so cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Chris, you never know. Chris, who's on that, actually lives maybe 20 minutes from me. No kidding. Like, he grew up 20 minutes from me, and we didn't even know that. And then one day, we're like, oh, my gosh, we went to see the movie <laughs> at the same theater, and, like, we're 20 minutes away from each other. That's and, so cool. Yeah. Well, man, I know that um, I've only been in the uh, the Jurassic community, online Jurassic Park community uh, for a little while since we started the show, but um, I understand that there are some meetups every now and then for special events, and uh, that's something I, I really can't wait is to to get to meet um, everybody else in person. Get, getting involved with the Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park community has just been such a thrill. It's a really cool group of people. Yeah, and that's what so. it's all about, really. I mean, connecting with people and collaborating oh, yeah. with them. And everyone has different skill sets and different interests. And people come at it from ways I never even thought of. Like, there's the 3D model people and the repainters of the toys yeah. and the video games and all this stuff. I mean, I come from my little lane of the Bryce stuff, but there are people in every possible lane. And when they collaborate and connect, that, I mean, that's what it's about. That's what it's, fandom is. And that's where really the magic is. is. Yeah. yeah. You... you said it perfectly. Um, yeah, it's, it's a sort of a, a passion project for everybody because it just hits everybody in a certain way. And I wanted to ask you, what is, what was your uh, first experience with Jurassic Park? Oh, I can't remember, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it came out when I was three, three years old. And I mean, I don't even remember seeing it for the first time because I don't remember a time without it. And yeah. my dad was always doing like bringing me dinosaur things and dinosaur toys and he worked for um sun tv i don't know if that's that's like a bold best buy and he fixed computers for them and when people brought in a computer that have all those like you know the general games that windows 95 has or whatever and there's yeah. a lot of dinosaur games on there and so he'd copy them onto floppy drives wow that's old but floppy drives and then yeah. bring them home <laughs> for me and then i'd always have all these dinosaur games on my home computer growing up and I knew them knew dinosaurs because of that and then Jurassic was just naturally around and it was just a natural thing to gravitate to those movies and and my older cousins were mostly all boys and so I kind of got their toys when they were done with them and they were all dinosaur toys because that was the perfect age for it and I don't remember a time without it but I remember it always being in my life somehow that's so cool well I tell you what uh if you're ready let's go ahead and get into minute number 87 In the previous minute, John Hammond told Ellie about his flea circus back in Scotland. As the minute ended, he was explaining to Ellie how he wanted Jurassic Park to be something real. At minute number 87, Hammond tells Ellie that he wanted to show people something that wasn't an illusion. Hammond says that he wanted Jurassic Park to be something that people could see and touch. Hammond says that it was an aim, not devoid of merit. At 8721, the camera pushes in on Ellie Sattler as she listens to John Hammond. She tells Hammond that he can't think his way through this one. She tells him that he has to fill it. 
At 87.28, Hammond smiles and tells Ellie that she's absolutely right. He tells her that having Dennis Nidri was a mistake and that they are over-dependent on automation. Hammond says that next time, everything will be correctable. At 87.39, Ellie becomes visibly irritated. Hammond says that creation is an act of sheer will. Hammond tells her that next time, it will be flawless. At 87.49, Ellie sternly tells Hammond that it's the flea circus all over again. She says that it's all an illusion. Hammond tells her that when they have control again, Ellie cuts him off and tells him that he never had control to begin with, and that that was the illusion. Ellie says that she too was overwhelmed by the power of Jurassic Park. And thus ends minute number 87 of Jurassic Park. So, like in the last couple of minutes that we've been doing this week, we really get to see Richard Attenborough's performance here. And just the, the pedigree of actor here is, is incredible. And him bouncing off of Laura Dern, who is just... Ellie's not taking any of his crap here. And he's sort of like giving her a sort of a salesman angle um, in multiple ways, it, whether it's through his excitement on next time it'll be flawless or maybe by trying to guilt her a little bit uh, by being very sympathetic, which I don't think he's intentionally doing. I think he is, uh, you know, naturally just a, a kind, sweet old man. But um, I know that uh, th- this scene, this entire scene appeals to you in a certain way. You have a sort of uh, reverence for it. What, what is yeah. that all about? Well, um, like you were saying, how he's kind of like a salesman. I I just see it as his heart. Like he's stripped down at this point. No matter how eccentric he is, how excited he was. I mean, this is his heart that you're seeing in this scene. And everything that he wants in life and his, his passion. I always compare him to Walt Disney because he just wanted to create something so extraordinary what's in his mind and he wanted to make it real and bring joy to people and even so I guess people could pull him down on that because when he's like next time next time it'll be better and they're like people are dying you can't do that and he's like but next time I mean he's such a dreamer and you really see that and it's not it doesn't come from a place of greed and it doesn't come from a place of jealousy of other companies or trying to climb up the ladder and tear people down it's just this, this dream of his and that's so inspirational and that is the the basis of this film and of the franchise is his dream of trying to create something that's not an illusion for people and that's just what he's always done now he's just trying to do it on a grander scale and sure he might forget about the insurance stuff and the safety sometimes but I mean his his dream just holds through and you can't fault him on that because his heart is just so big and so into it and this scene is pivotal if you if you take it out I mean he'll you still might feel for him and it'll be a little eccentric and you'll be like, okay, but you really understand him here and you really see who he is and it yeah. pulls the whole franchise together and it's like, it sets it on this moment, I think. I think it's so important for that reason. Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually on board with you whenever um, you could say that you're seeing this man's, uh, his heart here, you mm-hmm. know, his his true person. I, I don't think... Have you read the book by any chance? No. Who reads? Oh, I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, only book I've ever read. Uh, besides The Lost World. Uh, it's the, the character of John Hammond in it is really not that interesting. He's the polar opposite of what he is in the movie, almost. Um, and he's very greedy. And he's very two-dimensional. And he's, you know, everything is on the surface. And there's so many layers to Richard Attenborough's performance, to the, to the interpretation of the character in the film. And I'm with you whenever... You say uh, that whereas there might be a manipulator there at some points, I think that overall this is a person whose heart was in furthering science. 
and entertainment. And that was the, sort of the thing at the forefront of his mind. And unfortunately, it's what made everything unravel. But, uh, I mean, but one comes, thing that... It comes from a true place. Even though yeah. if he's manipulating or whatever, it, he's not doing it out of spite or to be mean or to cause havoc. He's he's doing it from a, a really true place. And that's and in this scene, like all the, the facade is stripped away, the music's low, the lights are low, and it's just him in his world and he's reminiscing on that and you you just get pulled in. I, if it didn't have this scene, I could see how it'd be more like the book version that you're explaining, I guess. But that's uh, that's why this scene is so important because it it takes it away from that book version and really grounds it. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, that this scene and probably the scene where they're having lunch in the mm -hmm. VIP lounge and discussing everything is sort of the crux of the whole series. Like you said, uh, without this this sequence in the film, um, the franchise would be lacking greatly. This man, this character, is the germination of everything. It's the reason this. Uh, series of stories exist mm -hmm. is because this guy wanted to go and build this park and further this uh, scientific development. And it's why all these stories are in, you know, it's why there is a series here. Yeah. And so, and it's not even just um, his, like his ambition. It's just that this is his heart and the whole series is built on his heart and his will. Like he says that it's sheer will. And even mm -hmm. I mean, Jurassic world, everything could be set upon this scene and this, um, vision of his. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always find myself um, just hanging on every word of, of this character and any scene that he's in. He is definitely one of the more interesting uh, characters in the entire series, I think. Which is um, ironic if he wasn't that interesting in the book. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking, man, you got to read the book. Got to read the book. It's so I have cool. it. I have the book. It, I got the pretty gold binding, like the pretty one, like the hardcover gold binding. And it's, Oh, really? I never opened it. Awesome. Well, uh, so one of the things that I think is so interesting about this is we have a character who hasn't really had her opportunity to uh, get in there and really have a moment where she's voicing an opinion. There's been little bits, uh, bits and pieces here and there, but there's never really been like someone, she's never really had her own opportunity to have a monologue. And it's really cool that uh, when she does finally get that, it's going toe to toe with the most powerful person in the movie. And someone who uh, she could very easily, you know, accept everything that he's saying in the way that we do. But no, she she really gives it back to him and says, "Listen, I know that I know where you're coming from, and that you are a dreamer, and all of this, blah 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 blah." But uh, people are dying, and it's your grandkids, dude. So I think it's interesting that they give that moment to Ellie and not to say Malcolm, who would be sort of an obvious choice, I think, to have a sort of "I told you so" moment. Uh, oh, you just made me love this even more, actually. Yeah, because really? that's true. They did give it to her, which is a yeah. gift. And I'm so happy because I love her to pieces. And for her to have this important moment in this most important scene, I, man, okay, I love it more now because she, <laughs> she does deserve this. Awesome. she didn't really have that. Like you said, she really didn't have that much. Even at yeah. the dinner table, I mean, she had a little bit. But, but Malcolm's always had the voice. And Grant yeah. obviously has a large voice in this film. But in this moment, she has this voice. And she's the scientist in, this, in the logical mind in this part. And I love that they gave that to her. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, I, I don't oh, – I'm happy, happy to uh, you know, make this even better for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's, it's very cool, too, that they – they give this, it's, it's such a soft scene in the sense that John Williams' score is so sympathetic. And 
there's a certain openness that he has with Ellie. Um, or maybe it's just someone that he feels like he can connect to on a different level. To be uh, honest, I don't think he even really is thinking that she's there. It could be anybody. He's really mm-hmm. more talking to himself, and he's in he's in very internal. I mean, he's he's reacting to her, but I don't think he'd truly react to anybody sitting across from him in this moment because he's more talking to himself and having that inner monologue with himself. So, it's it it's it would be very interesting to. You know, it's a wonder what this movie would have been like had the dinosaur breakout not happened, had Nidri not been a part of it. Now, I know that the whole thing, Malcolm's entire point was that this was going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. But if if Jurassic Park did open, as we see in Jurassic World, and what that would have been like. Uh, have you ever been to um, the Jurassic Park area of Universal Studios theme park? Yes. Usually, yeah, uh, yeah every year or so we go. That's right. You said you're a Disney fanatic, and uh, oh my I'm sure every, every time you make it down to that part of Orlando, you get to bounce back and forth. We actually did a bonus episode, one of our Patreon episodes, where we covered uh, Jurassic Park's um, theme park presence around the world, and we talked about mm-hmm. uh, kind of what it would have been like if the thing had actually opened. But they have their uh, sort of discovery center, as I believe what they call it there, and they sort of present it as though this is, my, you know, this is what it would have been like if it had opened. Obviously, it lacks the entire dinosaur tour, but I've always thought that was a really cool approach. Something that they added that was really neat was the fact that they didn't have the visitor center per se as it was abandoned and run down, and that's how you had to experience it. It was you're experiencing John Hammond's dream, his Jurassic Park, even in a small scale. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I tell you what, if that's all you've got for the minute, uh, I've definitely got some more questions about what you've got going on and your um, interest in Jurassic Park. Sure, absolutely. So, all right, so obviously we've talked about uh, your connection to Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a cliche topic, but her running in heels um, mm-hmm. apparently is not going to be in Jurassic World 2. They actually showed some of her footwear, her new footwear. Did you see that? Well, I actually just commented on this last night on Brad's podcast. Really? But when I don't know if anyone's seen this, but on The View, she did The View just a couple weeks ago. And they, of course, bring up the hills. And she's like, you know what? she's getting so lost in this narrative and the media telling her no hills, no hills has been a joke. And she's like, when she's reading the script and she's really into it and learning who the character is now, she's like, you know what? Maybe she should wear heels. She's saying, I don't want to get lost in that. I don't want to hear all this narrative in the back of my head of what she should be doing. She's like, mm-hmm. we're, we're losing her. We're losing Claire. We're losing the character. And she's like, I don't want to lose her. And so if I feel that she should be wearing heels in the sequel, I'm going to fight for it. And I love that she said that. That's pretty hardcore, man. That's I know. Awesome. I mean, it's brave. And she fought for it in the first movie because she wasn't supposed to wear heels the whole time. And Bryce is like, nope, nope, nope. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. That's who it is. She wears them. And now, I mean, it's a huge deal. So if the heels pop up in the next movie, media will go insane but you know what she's she's right though i mean we're, we are getting lost in this insane obsession with them when it should be about the character and who the character is and i love that she's gonna if she feels it's right she's gonna fight for it and she says she's taking a moment to really focus on who the character is and she's gonna ignore everybody else and yeah, if she feels it then she's gonna wear them i hope so that's awesome. And it's it's ridiculous that her shoes have become an issue. And I know it's a joke, you know, across oh, the board and everything. But if it's getting to the point that the actress is saying she kind of wants out from under it, then I, I think everybody should probably just go ahead and uh, and cool it with the shoes. Yeah, I know, really. So um, what are your thoughts on the rest of the franchise? Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, and uh, Jurassic World? 
Oh my goodness. Um, well, Lost World, okay, this is where everyone blocks and disowns me. I've never seen the whole thing from start to finish. I've seen all of it, but in pieces. Mm-hmm. I was too young to see it in theaters when it came out, and it, it and it's just they don't they put on TV here and there, but I mean, and I have it part of the trilogy pack, but I never actually put it in, and I'm sat through the whole thing. But Jurassic Three, I got that for Christmas, like the year it came out, and I I loved that oh, when yeah. I was little. I was like ten when that came out, and so I loved yeah. that a lot. And obviously, Jurassic World is amazing, blown away. Colin did amazing job. So 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 proud of that of everyone involved on it. They did everything, in my opinion, that I needed for this franchise. And so <laughs> I adore it. And I, I'm so excited for the next two because I don't really know where he's going to go with it. But he he does. And that's exciting enough for me. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in uh, Colin Trevorrow and Derek Conley, his writing partner. I think that he's an incredibly intelligent filmmaker. Uh, if you've seen Safety Not Guaranteed, uh, to know that Steven Spielberg actually handpicked him based on that says a lot. Uh, about that that team of filmmakers' approach to this new era and Jurassic Park. I mean, films. I love that Jurassic in general seemed to have been handpicked. Even from the first movie, Steven Spielberg picked handpicked folks that were character actors and not really known mm-hmm. people. And even for Jurassic World, he, uh, Colin picked Rice out of nothing. Out of she he plucked her out of nothing. Like she wasn't working yeah. for four years. She had no idea. She didn't audition. She she just got a call totally out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I, I don't know why, we, I don't know, but he, I mean, Jurassic in general seems to be, and even with Chris, Chris Pratt, um, he wasn't famous yet yeah. when he got picked. So it's just a gift that Jurassic people have of handpicking people. That's like true. Steven Spielberg handpicked Colin and he handpicked Bryce and Chris. And, yeah. I mean, that's, and, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Speaking of like character actors uh, and kind of just obscure choices that they've made in terms of casting in the films over the years, they actually nailed down Ted Levine the other day, who is somebody who just pops up over different things here and there. And he's one of those guys you always recognize, but he's not, say, uh, a household name, per se. And yeah, it's I don't so... know who that is. He was in silence of the lambs if you've ever seen that and that might be his most like notable performance but other than that it's it's just kind of a obscure parts in different movies but um you might recognize him whenever he shows up in the uh in the film but man i can't wait to see if he's gonna play dodson because god i want that character to come back so bad (laughs) so so bad but um yeah no it's you're absolutely right with that just uh the 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 issue of kind of handpicking people selecting people who are not your usual choice. I mean, it's awesome that we didn't get Arnold Schwarzenegger as Alan Grant. Yeah, you know? I mean that's that's what's good about Jurassic. They're all they're, it's kind of like a tradition in a way, and they're sticking with that all the way through. And they stuck with it for this latest film, and that, yeah. that's awesome. I really love that they're doing that because they they're putting the story above any celebrity. They're not just hiring them because they're famous. Yeah, like you said, Bryce hadn't really uh, been that active for a few years before Jurassic World, and. Mm-mm. Yeah, to think to go with her, and she's actually got character, thought to each of her characters, which uh, is something I've always admired in her work. And then Chris Pratt, what a strange choice! Yeah, you know that was that was the character of Owen was originally going to be played by, oh, what's the guy's name? Josh Brolin, and for whatever reason he didn't do it. And to go with Chris Pratt, this guy who's known for like being the goofy guy and the comedic TV show, and I know that he had Guardians of the Galaxy on the way. But they and didn't sure know they that. I mean, they didn't know yeah. what he would do with that. Nowhere. I mean, she didn't audition. She didn't have a tape out there. She didn't. She was sitting at home taking care of her kids and then gets this call like, <laughs> oh, 
okay, you want me to be in a, in a major film? Okay, sure. Like that's, that's not awesome. that's not. Yeah. So, what are your um, thoughts on the future of the franchise? I guess I, I'm I guess I'm just really excited for it, and I have high hopes. And I know that they're Colin and Derek are going to take care of it, and now J. A. Mafiona is going to take care of it, and they're all loosely connected, like together, and they they have a great idea. The the fact that Colin wrote it as a trilogy originally speaks volumes because yes. it's not like he he got made this film and then it got huge money and he's like oh crap how am I going to continue it for two more he had it down from the first pen stroke which blows my mind that a human being can just be, this many years <laughs> later this many years later it can just sit down and be like okay I'm going to write a drastic trilogy and I'm going to hire these people and he just it's just come to him that's yeah. blows my mind so i'm very optimistic for the rest of the franchise awesome awesome us too well i tell you what man that does it uh for minute number 87 but before we go where can people find you online um you could follow me at jennifer underscore lynn 89 on twitter um you can follow the bryce dallas howard network at bdh network on twitter and instagram the website is BryceDallasHoward.co, and I mean, you could find anything in the world about Bryce and Jurassic News, too, because if it involves her, we're going to post that. So there'll be tons of Jurassic News as well, and all of her journey that she goes through. And like today, we had pictures of her and Chris out in London, and that came out today, and we posted that. So, I mean, everything everything you possibly need is up there, and we work really hard on that, and exclusives come up, and she's involved in it. So it's just a really cool place to be, awesome. and a lot of hard work. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, tell her we said, hey, we love her work. And uh, if she ever wants to be a guest on the show, she's more than welcome. Because yeah. I know she's such a huge fan of it, right? I mean, yeah. And uh, when she finishes this small little film she's doing in London, maybe she'll stop in. <laughs> All right, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's It's been a lot of fun uh, talking about this particularly interesting minute and all things Jurassic. Yeah, and, thanks, thanks um, for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Definitely. All right, everybody, well, be sure to tune back in tomorrow for Minute Number 88. We're going to have Brad Jost on tomorrow and Minute Number 89 on Friday. And until then, this is Brady. And for Jennifer, we're here to remind you to hold on to your butts. Hold on to those butts. (laughs) (laughs) Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pele Media and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pele Media. Yeah.